get my nom, nom, nom on with the my top chicks and we will eat on, eat on the weekly dish. Hansen for Weekly Dish, and it's the Weekly Bonus Podcast, and I am here sitting in front of a glorious, just giant table full of food. And what is the food that is in front of me? It is a very delicious risotto with a veal cheek that is just like perfectly cooked, where it's got a little bit of bite to it, but it's creamy and not too mushy. It is also clams, and when I say clams, I mean clam linguine, and you heard us on Weekly Dish talk about the awesome Red Rabbit Summer Dish that was a clams linguine that had a little bit of toasty breadcrumbs on it. That might be the same dish I'm sitting in front of, but a little bit heartier style because I'm here at the Red Rabbit Grand Opening in St. Paul. St. Paul, what, what? On Grand Avenue. You know, I'm a St. Paul girl, and this has been like the last two years of awesomeness for St. Paul. So many new restaurants have opened, and the city has really embraced... And people have embraced on Grand Avenue. We are so excited that Red Rabbit has taken the space of the old Wild Onion. Goodbye dance floor. Hello, pizza, pasta, and delicious glasses of wine. I'm here with a bunch of people that made this happen, from Luke Shimp to Ian Lothar to Todd McDonald. Todd's the chef here, so I want to make sure that I get him on the podcast before he has to run into the kitchen and make more food. Todd, how you doing? I'm great. I'm super excited about all this. Okay, so you guys took over the Wild Onion space. What was it about St. Paul that you wanted to bring a red rabbit? Because I know your red cow here is doing great on Selby. Well, I think that uh, the neighborhood definitely would love a spot like this that is neighborhoody but has that, you know, a little bit of esoteric and accessible Italian food. It's so exciting. I, like, I, okay, the space is like as large as a Billy's. I mean, it feels super big and open and airy. There's TVs, but like the quality of food is so elevated and just delightful. I'm so excited to have you guys here. And the pizza, I mean, talk about your pizza because I think people here are Italian and they're just like pasta, pasta, pizza, but your pizza is the real deal. Yeah, we try to ferment our dough a little bit so that it gets that really nice sort of yeast complexity to it. Um, it also adds to the rigidity of the flour underneath um, from, from that aging process. And then we use a wood-fired oven, so you get a little bit of smoke. We get to toast the crust on the outside so you get some nice blistering. And I think all of that lends itself to a good final product. We kind of need to talk about your sausage because I'm obsessed. I come for brunch just for the sausage, and you use that same sausage on the pizza. Where did you learn to make sausage? Um, I actually started making sausage a long time ago when I had a tenure in San Francisco, right out of culinary school, and it's always just been sort of a quiet passion of mine since. Um, This is an Italian sausage recipe that I've been working on for a really long time, and we try to showcase it wherever we can here on the menu. We have it in uh, a cavatelli pasta, we have it on a pizza, we serve it on a brunch dish. We also have it on polenta cased into a sausage link. So, you know, we really
really are proud of our sausage that we make here in house and try to showcase that as much as we can. It's honestly, it's amazing. It's one of my favorite things. Um, what is your favorite dish on the St. Paul menu? Um, I really love the new addition we have of our salmon crisps. On, on uh, it's basically like a salmon tartare, little avocado and citrus on a nori crisp. So we make little chips out of the nori seaweed, and it's just a really nice, light, refreshing way to start the meal. Okay, that sounds delicious. Thank you, Todd. I'll let you scoop back into the kitchen. We're going to move on over to Luke Shimp. Um, Luke, you're not from St. Paul, so I can't wait to hear how your experience has been. Like, what was it about Wild Onion that tripped your trigger? You know... Truthfully, the building. I mean, you couldn't pick a better location, and when I uh, was approached to buy it, it was one of those things I'm like, yes. And the answer was yes. It was at a party, um, at a Christmas party, and the owner came up to me and said, hey, you want to buy the wild onion from me? I'm 70 years old. I want to retire. And I go, yes. And we literally met the next day at Caribou across the street over a coffee. Tracy and I shook hands with him, and that was it. I mean, it happened in you know less time than you could drink a latte. So this would be the St. Paul version of Red Rabbit. So are there differences in St. Paul's menu versus Minneapolis menu just to kind of cater to the neighborhood? You know, we kept the menus the same as far as food-wise goes, but we did add more beers. And we're really wanting to, the way we reconfigured the bar, Ian and I sat down uh, and talked about, like, what could we do differently? And here we wanted to make sure we could grab a little bit more beer and pizza crowd too. Um, you know, Red Rabbit has just awesome food, but oftentimes it can feel like an event night. And we want to make sure that it's not an event going out like come here you know pizzas are 12 13 bucks 14 bucks and grab a beer sit at the bar we threw in some tvs and you could watch a game hang out but also you can come here with a big crowd and have a have a have a night and and make it a night out on the town too it's kind of funny because when i walked in that's sort of what i thought i thought wow this feels like red rabbit minneapolis but st paul style like it feels a little I don't want to say less modern because you've still got the wallpaper flourishes and the red uh, banquettes. Um, you just you've got the the marble on the tables, but there's something about it that feels kind of rustic and inviting too. And maybe that just is the style of the horseshoe shaped bar. Yeah, our original intent was Red Rabbit was supposed to be basically red cow, but with pizza, pasta, and oysters. And for whatever reason, the Red Rabbit Minneapolis, and Ian blames me all the time for this, it turned out too fancy. And so we were like, how do we not make it fancy this time? <laughs> and, and so we made some changes to the design just to, um, just to make, make sure that it's approachable. Because at the end of the day, it's a spot for everyone, and that's what St. Paul's about. I mean, it's an amalgamation of people, and, and it's, it's a place for everyone to come. And whether you want to spend 8 bucks for a pizza at happy hour or you want to spend 28 bucks for that short rib, we've got you covered. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like that. I loved so much the pasta that Todd is doing. The risotto is wonderful. We were talking about the pizza and how he's got his own signature stamp. Can we, Ian, okay, on my table is like this really beautifully designed cocktail booklet. It's not a menu, it's a booklet. There's like 12 pages in there. For real. So this is the libation... Social lubricants. Social lubricants catalog. It's like your eighth, right? Uh, yeah, so it's our uh, fifth of Red, Red Rabbit, and then we have four, soon to be five at Red, Red Cow. So we're, we're slowly compiling a library. It's our goal. Okay, for real. Do people like come and order things in there that are the weird things? And what are you surprised that people order? 
So when we first opened Red Rabbit, I was really excited about our Amaro selections. We have uh, over 100. There's nowhere in the city and barely anywhere outside of Chicago that has more than us. Uh, Tell people what Amaro is. That's valid. Uh, so <laughs> Amaro is a bittersweet herbal liqueur. Um, if you ever had Fernet Branca or you've ever had like Campari, those are examples of Amaro. And that ex- the, the category expands very, very far outside of that. Uh, but we have hundreds of them, well, over 100 of them. And the fact that people just come in and order them all the time and that they seem very unapproachable because they're bitter and people don't like bitter. Um, and we put them in a lot of our cocktails and just the emb- embracing of that flavor and that style has been amazing to see from so many people who are just used not used to it. It's been refreshing. I feel like there's an Amaro tasting in our future. Oh, you, we can sit down. Let's have an after, a good old afternoon and just drink 12 different Amaros and then you'll taste nothing for uh, maybe about a day and a half. I feel like a whole weekly dish segment just needs to be on Amaro. Yeah. Is it that bitter? Like, because Campari is a, is bitter. Yeah, so it depends on, they, they range from being like Campari is kind of in like the middle to less bitter and then there's something that I tasted the first time and it was like, this bottle's obviously gone bad and then found out that I was just wrong. It's just that bitter. So, and then there's sweet things like Aperol which is almost on the sweet end. So, we get to play with these amazingly divergent spirits that can be anywhere from like light and fresh to so bitter you think you're eating a tree so <laughs> so there's that like barks and leaves yeah and you know to me amari and amaro is is an acquired taste much like wine when you start drinking wine then you start kind of traversing different regions and different grapes and varietals amari is the same way where oh, you, where you uh, you start tasting different ones and you go oh i'm gonna try that one and that one and that's what, what's been really fun for me to hang out with ian and taste the different the varying degrees that we have and the way he has them broken out on the menu you can go into oh it's floral it's bitter it's the you know you can name the categories better than I can but he has them broken up into categories okay so what people I think I don't know that it's that they don't know this about Red Rabbit but you guys are very underrated in your wine selection and I know Luke that wine is a passion of yours and your wife Tracy and your whole family like when you first started down the road of the restaurant business, did you always have a palate for wine? Because people always think like, oh, I must be an expert at wine. It's learned. It's hard. There is so much to know. It, it Absolutely not. I didn't. I, um, I can say it wasn't until about 12 years ago that I really started drinking wine. Prior to that, I'd have the you know, prototypical vodka soda vodka lemonade. I used to drink tequila tonics, which is kind of weird, but I would drink a tequila tonic and started getting into wine. And now, if you look at it, 12 years from now, actually this year, in, in about five days, I just I bought into a vineyard out in um, Napa, or Sonoma, and we're, I'm going out to pick grapes in a couple weeks and we're going to make 500 cases of our own wine. So that's it. I mean, 12 years ago, I didn't drink any wine, and now I'm going to actually make wine. Okay, that's pretty cool, because I have to say, one of my favorite uh, other restaurants in St. Paul, I love Revival, and they do a jazzy bell that's like a bubbly white that goes perfect with their chicken. I like that you're thinking about that and going to do something specific. Will it be to both the Red Rabbit specific? Um, You know, so the wine is actually, uh, I partnered with another friend, and so it's not going to be a Red Cow or Red Rabbit wine, but it'll be a red blend, so we're going to model it off of a Bordeaux blend from Pomerol, so it'll be primarily Merlot, and then I'll have um, a little bit of Cabernet. Cabernet Franc, maybe a little Zinfandel nipped into it. Um, so we're working on that, and it'll be a whole separate label. And we're, but it, we'll sell it definitely at the Red Cow and Red Rabbit. 
But are you going to, like, distribute it and get a distributor and be, like, a wine man? Yeah, so we have a local distributor already picked, who has picked it up and uh, who has agreed to take it in, and then we're going to sell it also in other states. Oh, that's so cool. It's going to be awesome. And yeah. The beauty of the Red Rabbit beverage program is that we have, at St. Paul, 40 beers on tap. We've got an incredible wine list and then cocktails as well that can rival anywhere in town. And so if you really, if you want to come in and have anything, you're going to be able to succeed and have a really, really high-quality version of that, as well as um, a lot of craft cocktail places are sometimes they're too busy or they're too crazy or you just want to drink any at the same time and it's a little bit hard to do that. Here we can do everything all at the same time, which is beautiful. Okay, let's talk about that for a second because many people want to explore other things or expand their palate, but to be honest, they're afraid because they don't know how to order it or they don't know what it's going to taste like. How do you speak to, like, the layperson? Like, I'm Joanne St. Paul, and I'm coming into Red Rabbit, and I maybe want to try a Fernet, or I want to try an Amaro, but I don't know how to order it. How do you talk to your bartender to get something unique, but, like, what if you hate it? Well, first of all, if you hate it, tell them, and at least at Red Rabbit and all the red cows, we'll just be like, okay, we'll make you something you like then. Because our job here is to make sure the guest enjoys what they're getting. That's that's the that's the reason we exist. Um, and otherwise, if you uh, kind of understand like what you like, if you like vodka sodas or you like, like vodka lemonades, you probably like something citrusy, and then go from there and just pick one or two flavor profiles that you like and don't overthink it because when we overthink things we generally find out that we're putting too many things in a bucket and it doesn't taste very good so find just slightly small things that you like and then have some trust and and we train our bartenders to ask those kind of questions be like do you like bitter do you like light do you like fresh or do you want something that's going to be very boozy or, or do you want something that's going to be you know uh even if it's like low proof so we can talk about things that are boozy or low proof and, and just guide guide each other through an experience because we can't read each other's minds and the only way to do it is to talk to each other that leads me to a question about an article that i read today in bon appetit about a lot of chefs have substance abuse in their past we're dealing with mental health issues andrew zimmern gets mentioned a lot as someone in the movement and he's from minnesota so obviously we talk about that Um, mocktails I feel like are really something for those of us that maybe we want to start out with something boozy but then we want to lay off when we're actually eating our meal do you like if someone wants to order mocktails with their dinner do you have like pairings that you could do we do Um, so we actually have a whole section in in both the Red Cow and the Red Rabbit menu just called No Booze Um, and the reason we put it in there was for that exact reason there's just people who don't want to drink or shouldn't drink and so we want want them to feel like they're having a full experience because um, a lot of the stigma for that is that people feel left out and so like, oh, I might as well have something. I might as well have something. And this is them. They're, they're garnished just like cocktails. They look like cocktails. They're fun. They're fresh. They're amazing. And they're they're make, meant to feel ev- inclusive for everyone. Um, they're also well thought through, and so they taste really good. Yeah. yeah. Ian, Ian puts a lot of thought into that, and that's something we've had discussions about that, that we need to make sure, much like you know, vegan and vegetarian food, even though you know, like restaurants called Red Cow or Red Rabbit, they seem like they're more carnivorous, we need to make sure we have those types of segments covered. Same thing as in the cocktail program. We need to make sure that the no-booze cocktails actually aren't just a, you know, like a lemonade with some blueberry splash in it. Like Ian puts a lot of thought into it and creates it just like he's creating a cocktail, but without booze. 
All right, you guys, thank you so much for spending time with me. I'm excited about wrapping this up and having the opportunity to see what Rabbit, Red Rabbit brings to St. Paul. Thanks. Hell yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we're so I late. Know. Wait. I, gotta, I didn't stop it.